Hey guys, you're listening to It's a Guy Thing podcast. I am Michael. I'm Rick. And I'm Mario. Well, I think it's time for us to get it on. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so to follow our theme of last week, uh, I really wanted to get into somebody else's head and introduce you guys to uh, the other one of the other thirds of It's a Guy Thing podcast, Ricker, a.k.a. Rick, a.k.a. Mushybutt. <laughs> Mushybutt. <laughs> so, Cat Dad. Cat I met Dad. Rick. Professional writer. We, we kind of talked, did we talk about it in the last episode? Um. We, no, I don't think we 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 started recording, and then we had to delete it for some reason. So for some reason we had to delete it. Yeah, delete what? Uh, the fact that the first time I met Rick was at my wedding, nearly ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Why and he wait? had a shaved head. I did. Like very short, short, <laughs> like prison cut. <laughs> yeah, it was just the one. It wasn't even like to the skin. Somebody, somebody said you looked creepy. Somebody said you looked like a creeper. Like, is he on parole or something? Un- that's pretty uncool to find know, out like, ten years later. I know. It's like, hey, who's that guy? I don't know. He's a creepy fucker. No, but th- but then <laughs> then they were like, but I was pleasantly surprised because he was really nice. I was like, okay. I don't remember who it was. So you look like that's a, a backhanded yeah, that's compliment, nasty. isn't it? That's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> I thought you were a disgusting pervert, but I mean, you're all right, I guess. You haven't hurt anyone yet. <laughs> Oh I man, I haven't found you on any of the websites I've been looking on. So so let's re- let's <laughs> let's rewind. Let's let's go back ten years. Let's rewind. I met you at the wedding, mm-hmm. and uh, you were there. And we can say her name because you've already said hello to her in the very first yes, episode. Carolyn. I was with Carolyn. Carolyn. That was her date to your wedding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carolyn worked with my wife Sarah. They worked mm-hmm. together at a at a uh, portrait studio here in town. I got to tell you, yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, yeah, that's the first time I met you. Yep, and that was the worst day of my life. It's only gotten worse from here. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> it's only gone down uh, here. So Down so, here from here. From so here. are you trying to say that every day I see you, that's yeah. the worst day of your life? Yes. Wow, that's messed that up. That is the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's been cool. It's, it's what we were talking about earlier, man. It's like, it's like flown by. Like I've known you for it 10 has. years. I've known Mike for 20 plus years. And it's freaking flown by, man. Like it's crazy. Like we've oh. like it's we're now officially in that like zone that like we've known each other long enough and still fairly see each other enough that like we can't tell that we're aging. You know <laughs> yeah. I mean? Because we're aging at the same, at the same rate. time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can't really tell. Like unless one of us, you know, loses a, a crazy amount of weight, we you really can't tell. You know what I mean? And that's sometimes that's kind of like the, the sign of like kind of moving through your life with people because there's people that mm-hmm. you haven't seen since you were in high school or middle school or elementary school or even family members. And when you see them, you're like, holy shit. Like you have to like really look at them to try to find the person that you yeah. knew, you know, whereas the people you kind of are lucky enough to like, um, you know, go through life with, you kind of always stay the same age. Yeah. In, in a sense. You know what I mean? Which because is why we're still as mature as we, uh, as immature exactly. as we were 10 years ago. We're actually regressing. <laughs> And you were you were living downtown at that time, right? Uh, yes. Mm, no. Yes. No. 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 Mm, yes. Ten years ago? No. 
I don't remember. We should move on. I can't remember. The first time, the first time I went to your place, you guys were living downtown. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. You're correct. And that was in the. Yeah, it was, we're living. It was a pretty decent size. Yeah, we're living down in the exchange apartment. building. Yeah, right there across from Poop City. What put us? What put a stop to the exchange building? Uh, we outgrew it was size. We outgrew it. There was no closets. Mm. There's no closets that we could come out of. You're adding. Sorry, you're adding animals and uh, animals. So you bring up animals. That's my next fun topic because a a little known fact about you is (laughs) that you are actually allergic to cats. Yeah, and you own how many? Sixteen. So (laughs) I actually have a a breeding farm. So the sixteen. So the sixteen. I'm a. I'm a. (laughs) Schweinsteiger. You have the sixteen cat stall. (laughs) I have two cats. Two cats. But we're actually, I was talking to Carol about this today because um, I was at her place and I was petting Sam, her cat, who's the first. I, I, I Actually, when I was leaving, I was petting him and I was like, Sam, like, you'll always be the first cat I ever loved because it's true. Like, it's, I never had a cat growing up. And when I met her, I met her cat and I was allergic. And I was like, I'd go to her place and I'd be like, my eyes would get all like puffy and like my throat would be all stopped mm. up. And. And I'm being like, see, like, that's how I know I like you and your cat because I, you know, get all stuffy and it's worth it. But after being around them long enough, it just, you get accustomed to it. Like, you, the dander becomes part of you. So cat you're, hair you're saying you can build up an immunity to allergies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good for you, man. The, Good for you. The medical system's lying to you. You can build up an immunity to anything. <laughs> wow. Anything. Just remember that. Arsenic. I don't know. Just cats and dogs, I think. I think if you take anything in the tiniest amounts... Yeah, you can eventually become... Anything. At least that's what you told a woman, right? Whoa. Just put the tip in. You're, whoa! Oh, what is going on? Oh, my. Sorry. Dude. Yeah. I had a moment. I had a moment. It's, it's, You're it's filthy, man. 12.40 oh at night. Goodness. Good 12.40 in the morning. That's I go to work at 7. Talking about cats over I here. Am. <laughs> Anyways. It's so just yeah, a good wait. thing that you don't have to be near women or interview women that do anything... You're so women based. Women based. Good thing you're not a social worker. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I apologize for my outburst. You have some bedside manner. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, back to you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Part two of the Mario episode. Yeah. <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> he's gonna give you some tips, <laughs> but just the tips. Yeah, as he says. <laughs> oh man! Okay, Anyways, so you built up an immunity to cats. Yes, and now I've got I've got, got two cats and a dog, and they're awesome. So, in addition to my lady, they're they are my world. I'm a cat dad and dog dad. And so. the neat the neat part about that is that you're the cats. You kind of um, they kind of fell into your lap. Mm-hmm. You weren't like actively looking for your own cat pets to come mingle with your girlfriends. It just kind of all happened. Yeah, right? it just happened. It just kind of and then we just same, kind of same with your your puppy dog. He, yeah. You were fostering him, and then you fell yeah, in yeah. love, and there was yeah, no way she, you were actually she met. was fostering him. Oh, okay, but well, mm-hmm. she was she yeah. was gonna foster him, but he actually had a kennel cough because he was at the the uh, animal control place, and she she couldn't foster him because of her dogs. So I didn't have a dog, so I could take him home and while he was recuperating, and I was really worried because. Um, I knew what would happen. I knew if I was around him. I was going to say, fostering uh, uh, an animal tough. is the most ultimate racket to make sure that you <laughs> fall in love and they are taking care oh, of Oh, absolutely. It's and they, brilliant. It's beautiful, compassionate brilliance because 
how can you be like, oh, you're so cute. Well, time to go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> how do you do that? Like, sorry, buddy. I know yeah. you got real comfortable and we're curled up in bed together watching Jersey Shore, but like, it's time to go back to the, the prison. Yeah. So that didn't happen. Yeah, so well, good for you, man. I, yeah, he's an amazing yeah. dog. I'm so the wildest, fastest dog I've ever seen. He is. Lincoln's awesome. He's the life of the party. Dylan loves Lincoln too. That's what's cute. He goes up to him and he holds his hand out and then Lincoln sniffs him for a second and he's like, ah. He's all excited. Then he runs away. The, those dogs that <laughs> not like, Lincoln, my son. Those dogs that have a, the default face that look like they're smiling, so they're just automatically <laughs> yeah, photogenic. That's always great. That is true. Unless you put him in an orange floaty vest, then he just looks depressed. He's, yeah, he's not happy about that. <laughs> like to be free. So yeah. Okay, so you're uh, you're an animal dad. Yes, I am. Um, what is the biggest thing that people should know about you? Like the, the most important thing. The like biggest if, thing you should know about me. <laughs> I mean, the most important. <laughs> not on the first date. <laughs> The most important thing, like if, if they Just had kidding. one takeaway about Rick, what would it be? Um, um, about me? Yeah. That I, I'm like a completely, um, I don't want to say I'm not a passive person. I'm not a passive person, but I'm, I'm, I avoid conflict at all costs. I'm a conflict avoider. I practice conflict avoidance and not, not to say that I don't, I don't like. You're agreeable. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm very agreeable. To a degree, because you're, you're very passionate about your ideas as well. So, right. I mean, you're not going to just yeah. immediately roll but, over. But my biggest say, oh. goal in life is, like, literally to be like, let's all just hang out, have a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah, you're it. very chill. Like, I'm very, I try to be as chill as I can. I'm not always chill, but I try to be. I love it when you're not chill. <laughs> that's rare. It's but actually it's, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Like Mike that, brought up, I don't want to be plugged into the Mac. Yeah. We're yeah, talking yeah. about sometimes, plugging your, your headphones into the sassy. Mac instead sometimes of the, the mixer. <laughs> but no, that's my biggest thing. Like I was just like, to probably to a fault, definitely to a fault. It's a it's a fatal flaw as well. But I'm always just like I just don't ever want conflict. I don't ever want people to be unhappy or to be sad. That's sappy as that sounds. It, it, it it's not it's not really sappy because no, it, it's, it's actually it, like I said it is it's a, a fault. sweet thought. It's it, crea- a sweet it creates thing. it creates uh, waves because of that. And if I and if I pull the thread back on that childhood that started that for you, Rick, what do you think? What, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Feels real good. Feels like hot Cheetos in my mouth. Now, now, Rick, I want you to close your eyes and go to that special place. Christina Applegate. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss another reference? Oh, it's a kind of a Donnie Darko touch. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Slash Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, what a combo! Mm-hmm. So mashup. I'm also a mashup artist. <laughs> you too. Rick's got over six hundred thousand mashup videos. Yeah, but they're all used. under different upload names. So, so every every mashup video we see is actually by they're you. Actually, me. Everything <laughs> that has less than three hundred views. But on principle, <laughs> he refuses to monetize his YouTube. Exactly, because <laughs> I believe I believe intellectual property is public is sacred. <laughs> I believe in intellectual oh, property. No, this is about I you. Believe, this isn't about me. It, actually, I, I retract what I said earlier. The thing I want people to know about me is I believe in intellectual property rights. I don't like copyright infringement. I don't like to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel when your friends violate oh, that's, that's tough. That's a dilemma. Once Luckily, again, I, this is not part two of me. This is Rick. This is Rick. How did, it uh, all, how did you come up uh, with yourself in that? We're just talking about uh, yeah. people. Because I'm copyright. the copyright infringer. 
You are. He's the only one in America. Oh. The, those little like Homeland Security things before your Because you guys read me about it all the time. Your Blu-rays, it's oh. it's it's like, well, you well see this Yes, I saw it already. Mario's oh, Emerald. How, how did you oh, see J.J. Abrams' Star Wars Ready Mario? Because I downloaded it from Pirate Bay. <laughs> <laughs> is it still around? Yes. <laughs> I think it's gone away and come back. I don't anyway. know what that is. <laughs> yes, you, you just said it. Just know the name. <sighs> Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. So stuff that stuff that I know about you, um, that's it. You love I, movies. I do. You love are movies. like a complete movie file. Is that that is that that's not the term? Video file, know. filmophile. I don't like to be any kind of file <laughs> associated with anything that ends with file. That's true. Okay, so you love movies, <laughs> <laughs> but I dig movies. Yes, I dig them. Like that how they... far back? Like because it's. I always find it interesting. Uh, a lot of your Movie knowledge, like a lot of people remember, like certain decades of, of film. Mm-hmm. Yours and Mike's, I suppose. Rick's you guys is 1981 span. to present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that really that's like that's as far back yeah. as you go? For, I mean, for the mo- for as, as far as movies that have probably been the most like <laughs> poignant for uh, you, influential or like uh, movies that have become touchstones as far as references I make or things mm-hmm. that I'm kind of I, I've slowly attempted to kind of go back. A little further and get into like movies i hadn't seen before mm-hmm. um slowly but most of the movies i, I grew up on the movies i love and th- this is another thing about me like especially even with music is it's very hard for me because i don't like change is I've, I've seen you know probably one of my favorite movies of all time is uh james cameron's aliens mm. right and i've probably seen that movie like literally like a hundred times if not more Great film. And, and that's and that's like a a, a low number and it's a movie I remember seeing as a kid, and it came out like in '86. And I remember seeing it, and it was actually like it absolutely terrified me. Mm-hmm. Like I was terrified. Like I had nightmares. Like when it was dark, I assumed the aliens were going to come out from the closet. And that's how scary it was to me. Yeah. And you know, within probably a year or two, I got a little bit older, and I got to like see it differently, and I got to and suddenly it turned into a different movie. Yeah. And as I've gotten older. It not necessarily hasn't changed into a different movie since then, but it's just something that's always, you know, um, stuck with me. It's always stuck with me, like, the, the characters, the story. I mean, Michael Bean, as you know, is, like, to this day still in my top three favorite actors of all time because mm-hmm. of that. And that's, like, one of those things I can look back and I always go, like, any character you ever have, it's, like, a good guy or some, like, fictional father figure type guy. I'm like, that's that guy. Like, this guy. Like, Michael Bean and Aliens or Michael Bean and Terminator. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, definitely, like, that probably – and it, I think that makes sense because it's, like – the kind of the formative time, you know, when you're kind of in that like 10 years old range yeah. or puberty or whatever you want to call it, when you're just kind of going through all those changes, um, you start to connect with certain things that, that appeal to you or whatever. Um, so definitely that's when that time period sticks out to me. I mean, like I said, now, like it's probably in the last couple of years that I like reached out and I started like watching, like I finally saw like Chinatown, you know? Oh yeah. Um, uh, like, the searchers has become one of my favorite movies and that's a movie you know, like back from like the 60s you know and that's mm-hmm. a movie i really really love and it's a movie it's not like it's a some secret movie like it's like one of the like so much of that movie has inspired so many movies that have came after it and so yeah. many movies kind of like directly rip off the shots and make homage to that and stuff like that but i mean going back and watching movies like that you can see why and so that's yeah. why I try when I can to go back to some of that. See, I, I, I like seeing movies through your point of view. Like, oftentimes we'll talk about a movie that we just saw, and 
like I have my own opinion about it, but then I hear your take on it, and it totally changes my perspective on it, um, especially because you've got that filmmaker's eye, you know, that it kind of makes me either aware of the stuff that I was unaware of or appreciate the stuff that I kind of noticed but didn't give too much thought to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I – think, Rick can make even the worst movies sound phenomenal. Yeah, he exactly. Can, he can, and he has, because there's been some movies where I completely disagree with him, but then I'm like, oh, now i got to watch it again. Because he's, de- he's definitely a, a, a file. Yeah. But but uh, I think sometimes he's a little too generous, and I think like Arnie, Arnie would be someone that, and, and me, as, me as well, would yeah. be like, how in the world can you like, I can't even think of, for lack of a better example, but like, let's say, Mars attacks or something, and he'll tell you all of the great <laughs> qualities about it and sell you on it. But then some yeah. amazing film that's universally accepted, be like, "Oh, it's a piece of shit." <laughs> so he's like, "No, nah, it sucks. It's stupid." Um, or even better, I'm not going to watch it because it's already culturally accepted by everybody as great. So <laughs> I'm not going to look at it. You know, but the thing for me, like, the thing which that, is my favorite thing about your movie hipster, appreciation, kind of hipster in some ways. Well, I mean, the thing for me, like, I mean, personally, like, the thing that really always like sticks with me about movies is i mean and this is anything i mean it's not like i'm making an original statement but like is moments like like trailer moments like that's something now that's kind of like even that has been kind of appropriated as something that's bad like movies that are trailer have trailer moments you know or Mm -hmm. movies that show like the best everything in the trailer yeah and 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 i and growing up like being you know trailers like you know we've talked about that like watching trailers before the movie is half of the experience of going to the movies like having that and i remember as a kid watching trailers before the vhs you know on the vhs tapes and that being never like never even skipping that and there's movies that like i remember never ever seen but i saw those trailers so many times that i felt like i saw them you know but that's what i mean when i say trailer moments where like those moments that like stuck with you like movies you're just like again like you never saw it but it, it means something to you and that image and it's it's the kind of stuff that now you know nowadays when you know probably filmmakers of our kind of generation make movies now and sometimes people go like oh that guy ripped that off he bit that i i, I do give people leeway with that because i think back and i said god so much of that stuff you know has bled in from those moments those subconscious moments when we were growing up where you saw something that just oh, yeah. burned into your memory you know so that that's that's something that does I can appreciate about movies, even bad movies. Is that there's like, there, if there's one moment in the movie that hits me, like that hits me, makes me cry, or makes me feel a certain way, I will forgive the movie. I, I was texting Arnie the other day, and I was like, I was texting him about um, uh, Wicker Park. I was like, Oh, have you ever, you've seen Wicker Park? Blah blah blah. Have you, have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Okay, it's like it's a re- it's like a remake of a French movie. With, I think it's the Apartment or whatever. Not the Apartment. It's something with uh, Monica Bellucci and and Simon or what's the name? Her husband. Cassell, Vincent Cassell. Anyways, they redid it with like uh, uh, Josh Hartnett and um, Diane Kruger and Rose Byrne. Anyways, it's not a great movie. I mean, I've never seen the original, but it's not a great movie, but it has a badass soundtrack. And I I remember seeing it and being affected by it. And then like I bought it finally. I got it out of like a bin for like five bucks. And I watched it I'm like, this is a terrible movie. Like it's just, a, it's just not what I remembered it. And I was trying to remember. I was trying to reconnect to what mm. it was about that movie that kind of affected me. And I... Watching it again, I remembered. I'm like, oh, this is that. It's a moment. It's the end of the movie, and I'm gonna spoil it. They get back together, you know. Like he he's he's been you know separated from this woman that he loves all this time, and they keep missing each other for all these kind of stupid reasons and people interfering and stuff. 
And at the end of the movie, he's like going down to this train station. He thinks he's Caesar, but then he doesn't. And fucking uh, Mogwai is playing like one of his mm. one of the badass songs from like the ha- Happy Songs or Happy People album. And he sees her, and it's just like this incredible moment. And it's wordless, but it's music. And then he finally sees her, and she sees him, and they like embrace, and they're crying. And it's that real shit. It's not like the notebook where he's like lifting her in the air. It's like they're actually <laughs> crying, like yeah. they're on their knees. It's like it's you just feel all that that uh that Heaviness. weight yeah, yeah the weight of all these years kind of falling down in that moment and it it it, it bleeds into uh the scientist you know by Coldplay yeah you know and that's a song that's great like track. you know it's a great song but it, you know if you just hear it on the radio it's kind of overplayed or it's kind of song it's like a hit but but in that moment it just it's perfect used in the context you know yeah. it's perfect when you hear those lyrics you know like and um and so that's that's a perfect example. Like, yeah. Again, crap movie. But like I was telling Arnold, I was like, just watch the last five minutes. He's like, that's see, stupid. and there you go, right to what Mike yeah. said. You take a crap movie and yeah. you make it. Now I'm like, well, I kind of want to see yeah, that. Yeah, but now. just for that moment, like just for that moment, and go, yeah, man, because that's the kind of shit to me that's inspiring. Because like you go, if you could, you know, I, I'm inspired to me like as much by crappy movies as, as I am by movies that I love, and not to say like because I'm better than that. But it's to say, how do I take those moments out of those movies that I loved? Those mm-hmm. moments that I go, I wish the whole movie was like that. Or I wish the yeah. whole movie was like the trailer. And say, like, one day, like, how can I make a movie that affects me? And, I, you know, you can never d- figure out what everybody else wants. Right. But how can I make a movie that affects me that way and have those moments? Like, how c- can you carry that through a movie? Like, that's, I mean, that's a task that you'll try the rest of your life and probably never 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 successfully complete but to try that to try to have a movie so full of moments that it's just it just doesn't leave you you know now i get it uh you wrote a you wrote a uh i guess would it be a script or a treatment for three lights no it's a script yeah and uh part yeah part of my my ignorance as far as i don't know that's right uh, script. titles but um it read that way like i could tell like because there were moments that I was capturing while reading it, I was like, oh, that makes me recall this, or that makes me feel this way, or that, that makes me feel that way. Um, you're a filmmaker, of course, so I, I mean, I'll just add that in. Um, and you're, you've been working on this for a while, and hopefully eventually we'll, we'll get to work, to actually work <laughs> on it. It's been in development for 15 years. <laughs> but it's a, it's a great fucking script, man. And it's like what you're saying, I think you encompass that in, in that script. So hopefully, you know, our listeners will eventually get to watch that movie come out and premiere and everything. Um, but uh, what made you what if you could take your top three most influential films? Mm-hmm. Like, what made you decide to become a filmmaker? Aliens, Terminator, <laughs> and True Romance. <laughs> That's close. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, aliens, off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Aliens, I mean, even counting movies I saw as an adult. Um, Aliens, um, The Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick. Nice. Um, There's probably a lot of older movies too, but I would definitely say uh, um, Homicide by uh, um, David Mamet. And and it's the same thing. I, I always come back to the same people, like Terrence Malick and like David Mamet, like inform so much of of what i i appreciate not to say my work is anything like that and and if anyone has seen those movies they're polar opposites in, mm-hmm. in terms of their film philosophies and how they make movies and stuff but that i think that's kind of what appeals to me about them is one's a completely lyrical visual thing and one's you mean 
you know david mamet's movies like i i actually consciously do this i'll, I'll put one on when i go to bed and i won't even watch it i'll just turn over and let and just let listen, it wash just over you. listen to the words because mm. that's how like rhythmic and poetic and 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 it fits together and that's kind of like how i kind of hopefully like mentally absorb not not to like you know try to mimic that or anything but mentally absorb the 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 skill. magic the, the skill that goes into putting those pieces together and it's the same thing when you see like a Mal- uh, malik movie it's like the opposite you mm-hmm. know where it's the visual images and trying to figure out like damn how does somebody like put these images together in a way that can affect you or remind you or make you feel like it's touching a part of you um you know when obviously this person doesn't know you and how is it reaching across, you know, distance and time and all this stuff to connect to you? Yeah. So uh, easily, though, I mean, those movies. But, I mean, like you said, like, I would also throw in, like, movies like, you know, The Terminator. Um, because, I mean, those are movies that obviously go back to being a kid and really informing everything mm-hmm. about what did I know about storytelling or everything that I know about, you know, human relationships even. I mean, that, that's what's funny. Is, like, us as kids growing up, like, you know, especially, you know, like, you know, for like us, like not growing up in like non-traditional households, you know, where you don't, we didn't always have like a father figure there during those years that you probably, you know, normally would have that and looking for that, not knowing it, but looking for that in movies. Like mm-hmm. I said, like I made that joke about like Michael Bean earlier, but like yeah. that, like I remember, never mind, I won't, I won't get into that one, but, but I mean, that's an example looking up to someone like that and being like, how do you be that kind of guy? And honestly, like as as a person, whether it's as a film fan or just a person, go back and watch like Aliens. Yeah. And honestly, like if you could go back and watch Aliens, and just watch the movie, not as it, you know, Ellen Ripley's movie, not as a action movie or horror movie, just watch Michael Bean, like his Corporal Dwayne Hicks's character, mm-hmm. and you see how this person carries themselves throughout this movie. As a character and as the actor carrying that role, yeah. And and you look at it and go, man, this guy is like, and it's not a tough guy role. It's not a superhero. She has to save him. Yeah. I mean, so that that's kind of tells you. I mean, it's not like he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not Chuck Norris. He's this guy who's this kind of reluctant guy who's kind of thrust in the situation and he's fighting every kind of with every like <laughs> bone in his body to have to take charge yeah. you know luckily she kind of does that and she pulls him through that and she's kind of like no you have to be this guy you know which hmm. it, interestingly yeah. like michael michael being of, of, of you know i think he's really underrated for that reason because even if you look at like the terminator he kind of takes that same it's the same type of role where he's this yeah. reluctant guy who's kind of thrust into something that's bigger than himself and even like at the end of the terminator which is why those movies are powerful because they have those inner relationships with women and men where sarah connor the what he teaches her to be mm-hmm. you know and, and they flip roles where you see at the end where she's the one picking him up saying get on your feet soldier yeah. dragging him through and he's dying after they you know wreck an 18 wheeler and she's pulling him through the the you know like the machinery factory or whatever yeah and you see that and and the and the the fact that like you know it's something that i think we don't appreciate now like with film is like you think about like would you see tom cruise or like brad mm, pitt the, taking that kind yeah. of role where this man kind of gets emasculated in a way but does it with like you know i mean maybe i'm putting too much gravity on these type of movies but you no, know we're man. talking about something that inspires you is it, yeah. these men that they're willing to like emasculate themselves to a degree or whatever you want to call it, whatever the proper term is for the sake of something bigger, you know, like yeah. in aliens, the same deal. Like he's, he's, 
he's trying to help her save his kid. That's all they're doing. Yeah. There's no more mission. There's no more. It's not about gung-ho. It's not about revenge. It's about, like, how do we save this kid? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's affected by it. He's affected by her. He's got a crush on her. Because he has a crush on her, he wants her to, you know, save this kid, help save this kid. And then, you know, even then, it's like, even in his moment when he's trying to be a hero, I mean, saving her. Yeah. He gets fucking, you know, splashed Nailed. with acid in the in the elevator and he's, you know, torn apart. And when they come out, it's her dragging him. It's her dragging him to the to the you know, the drop ship. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, like I and I could you know, I'm I'm ready kind of see these movies again. I'm kind of going over and over <laughs> spilling that and people are probably going, What? That's not what I, what are you talking about? But I I challenge someone to look at that. And again, yeah. from the perspective of a of a a seven year old kid who's looking for that, who's looking yeah. for that direction you know what i mean see that's so. why i think you need, to, you need to just bite the bullet and make your film <laughs> so uh, aside from movies your other major passion is music yeah yeah what what was your first music purchase we'll go that route oh purchase actually bought like it myself. you went out you bought it well i was i i was i probably came to music really late i learned a lot about music from uh you know, friends of mine, guys who went to high school with Mike and and uh, Gene, different people we went to school with. I I kind of picked it up because I probably didn't really start listening to music until like eighth grade, really. Like it was mm-hmm. that late. Jeff, Jeff was the person who introduced me to Nine Inch Nails. Jeff's the person who introduced me to Pearl Jam. Yeah. You know, like it was like almost like not even on my radar at that point. And so, that was already big. That's already a year yeah. after. Yeah. So popular, at that point, know? what were you listening to? Uh, Kono. I was listening to Kono. Like I would listen to Kono like every night on this little like boombox. You know, and I had like whatever my mom's tapes were, and and that yeah. that's kind of what informed me. Like, um, as a kid growing up, like with my sister, like listening to '80s music, listening to that type of stuff that was popular, uh, and then my mom, you know, again, like you said, like listening to like Neil Diamond and yeah. like the Eagles and you know James Taylor. That's like yeah. stuff like that's always remains part of like my my DNA because of that. It's like built in being in the car with your mom and listening to what your mom listens to, mm-hmm. and you know, again, that's part of that you learning about you know some direction is from yeah. like i'm not listening to like you know cherry pie in the car with my dad i'm listening to like james taylor with my mom or mm-hmm. you know neil diamond or gloria Estefan or something you know i mean <laughs> it, it is sound it, machine you know it's a different it's a different yeah. track you know um but i think uh silly, stupidly i think i was like one of those kids that was like i'd buy an, you know i was buying tapes because the cover looked cool you know, well, that happens I a lot, yeah. though. A lot of people Like, I think probably one of the first tapes I probably ever bought was, uh, what was that group? Um, oh, shit. It's like Stormtroopers of Death. You know, like one of the, uh, it was like one of like the Anthrax side bands or something. Oh, okay. Like, I didn't even know who Anthrax was. That's how, yeah. like, you, you know, uneducated, it was. <laughs> uneducated I was to music. I was just like, ooh, it's like a like a skull with like, you know, an anarchy symbol on helmet <laughs> or some shit. That, and there was other band, Nuclear Assault. You know, like, oh, wow. honestly, those are like probably the first tapes I bought, like at Apple Records. Like, I, that's yeah. how not cool I am, folks. Like, I wasn't listening to like the Ramones and like, you know, fucking. <laughs> so, what did you uh, think about them when you actually popped them into the, to the, huh? into the boombox? What were your thoughts? When oh, you first I dug it. To? Like, I dug that shit because yeah. I, you know, I didn't have anything to like compare it to. Compare it to. I'm like, this is cool because I, suddenly I was listening to something that was different than what I was listening to, you know? So, I was able to. But, I mean, again, like I said, from there it kind of moved on to like, you know, friends introducing me to like you know nirvana or pearl mm-hmm. jam and then you're kind of branching out from there so that was probably my first touch i mean again that was at like a really formative moment where i was you know 12 turning 13 yeah so suddenly that mattered 
you know, a year before I was like running around with toy guns in the yard, and then yeah. the next year I was like, you know, oh, there's girls. Yeah. Boobs. So, you know. and I'll give you the choice if you, if you want to tackle it like top favorite, listen all the way through kind of tapes or albums, or top favorite musicians, or what inspired you the most musically. Uh, off the top of my head. Because I know Again. all three are going to be different lists, right, pretty right. much. Yeah, I, I would just say like albums that, that mean a lot to me, or albums that that's, that pop in my head immediately. Yeah. Um. Again, this is stuff that wasn't. I'm not gonna. It's not stuff from the '80s. It's stuff like, uh, um, Mogwai's rock action album, um, like Hot Water Music's Caution album. Um. Uh, what's the other one I was thinking of? Uh, the placebo album. Uh, I'm going blank on the name. It wasn't that one that came out. Those real popular, but it was the one after that. Um, Twilight Singers. Twilight Singers is a side band of Greg Dooley from Afghan Wigs, and they came out with a side band that's really awesome. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's very like not in a jazz band kind of way, but if you could imagine, if you could like put New Orleans on an album, that's what hmm. the Twilight Singers sound like. And I don't, it's weird. I don't know how to describe that because it's not like New Orleans music, like the way you, you're probably picturing. It's right. just, if you could imagine like walking down Bourbon Street, you know, like that's what it sounds like. I can't really yeah. describe it any other way. It just, it has this real kind of chaotic, but like there's really, you know, you can feel like the mixture of like, there's like kind of dance music in it and there's kind of rock music and kind of the grunge music and soul <laughs> music and blues music and it's all kind of scrunched together you know in this really kind of naughty way and it feels like kind of dirty and like sexual <laughs> and stuff it's weird but i mean afghan wigs is very much like that too but yeah twilight singers definitely is one of those bands that like when i first heard that album i was like oh my god like you know it's not even music i try to write anything like because it's just it's just something else it's its own thing that i just kind of yeah. like leave it alone and just you know huh bow down to well i gotta say the, the only thing that sounded familiar out of what you said i've heard of placebo and i've heard of the afghan wigs <laughs> so you're gonna have to send me all that so i can yes. listen to it from your perspective yes it's good stuff good stuff got any questions for him mike um because you've known him way longer than i have yeah i mean way longer. that's probably why mike's mike's like i already know all this he's stuff. like Ugh, i hate you <laughs> so you and your bored. stupid stories about michael bean <laughs> Grow up. I think you, you, you should. You, you don't want to admit Michael Bean's greatness in Con Air. That's where he really shines. My, no, you're thinking of uh, The Rock. Oh, sorry. The uh, Rock. Yes, but we were psychically. I don't know, why I, I don't know why I said yeah. Con Air. No, I was thinking The Rock. I was thinking oh, that's, that, when he's working with him. Every time like I watch that, Carolyn loves that movie. We always talk about that scene. You know, the, the shower scene, yes. right? Like, yes. And like, I'm always like, you know, it's Michael Bay. It's an action movie. It's over the top. But like, dude, like. Go back and watch that scene by itself. Like, dude, like, that's some fucking, like, supporting actor Oscar shit. That's a major scene right there. Dude, and and you think about what he's having to do in the context of that movie, right? Like, it's a silly, over-the-top fucking movie, you know, about Alcatraz. But, like, what he's trying to, like, get across at that moment. What he's trying to, like, convince General Hummel to do. You know what I mean? Like, again... Just watch that scene. It's a great. I've only movie. seen it once. The, the Rock is fantastic. It's a great rewatch. movie. Yeah. Con Air is a comedy rewatch, yeah. but The yeah. Rock is a legit, yeah. good movie. It's a great Michael Bay movie, twice. which is a weird thing. I to didn't say. even know it was Michael Bay. Um, what are some other things besides the obvious film and music? Because when it comes to me, I'll be hitting the same things. Because in a lot of ways, we're the same person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, what are some of the other things that you like to to either work on or do with with your time? What are some of the things you're 
involved in as far as you know where your time goes uh right now the legitimate stuff no just kidding um no i mean i mean you know like i i was never like in high school i would never classify myself as like an athlete but sports were always something that was a part of my life uh which is funny because i've i've never considered myself an athlete the thing that i've always appreciated about team sports that for all intents um, but for all intents and purposes you were technically a football star in our high school right in our school in, in the microcosm you, you were that you were that <laughs> yeah but that's a big deal then because there's a lot of guys that wish they were at that point and never even got to play let alone play and be good and statistically be compared to players in other schools in our small district and still be revered as you know a top a top talent even if it wasn't about oh i'm gonna get recruited for college right just just in that world in that moment for that couple years or whatever you were a very very talented football player for your position for your skill level for your competition would you agree it's funny i I never like i'll say yes for the sake of arguing i mean for for sake of not arguing it's too hard <laughs> but, to talk about yourself isn't it but, it's uh, not easy to be like yeah it was amazing but you know I, but i understand what you're saying i always look back and i always think about that time because it's so interesting because you know as an adult now as a guy in my 30s who's out of shape and all that i look back and i go god i wish i wish i would have been able to appreciate that more you know i mean being able to play sports and being able you know to play as much as i did you know um with the people I got to play with, you know, I, I wish I would appreciate it more. I remember at the time, like, I could never see it that way. Every once in a while, people would say something like, like, compliment me or something. And I'd be like, what? Like, because I was always scared. I was always, like, terrified that. And see, I would have never known that. Like, for yeah. me, outside looking in, I had zero exposure to football coming into high school. So you had played in seventh and eighth grade. I hadn't even, I really didn't even know of it. All I knew was that sport, I equated it with getting hit. That, that's the only yeah. thing that I could think of. And so when I came to St. Anthony, everything in my mind was, you know, I can't wait to be here. This is a great place to be, blah, blah, blah. And then I heard every freshman has to play football. And <laughs> yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified in my mind. I thought, well, how am I going to get out of this one? You know what? Damn. You know, you, you use excuses your whole life to get out of, you know, hot water situations. If you're in trouble <laughs> with a teacher, if you're in trouble with your parent, you know, and in this case, I'm like, well, what am I going to come up with this time? And, and I mean, there really was nothing to come up with. It was kind of a done deal, but... Um, you know, I had everything for me, you know, in, in sporting and pretty much everything I just basically taught myself. So this was one place where there was no way I could manufacture enough self-taught knowledge to get away with it. I just couldn't play. I just did not know anything about the sport. You know, I mean, there was no way. So for me, I got to, I really looked up to you guys. Like, I remember what a big deal it was that like as freshmen, like you and Nick were already like standouts. And like, I remember, I'll never forget being in the rec hall. And I think it was like, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was in the sophomore class and they were rewatching tape of a game that I think they had Nick move up to JV mm. and as a freshman for a certain game or whatever. And they show him break away with the football and he's already like sprinting past the defenders and whoever the sophomore or junior is, they're like commenting on his speed. They're like, never seen anyone run that fast. It's amazing. Whatever. And I'm just sitting <laughs> there no, fast. and no one knows who I am. I'm just sitting there in the room with, with these guys watching and I'm looking on them like, Oh, that's my friend that I sit in classes with and I'm in study how with but <laughs> this football culture thing is a whole nother world that I won't know. My mind is just, I just want to make the basketball team. It's all I care about. And if I'm lucky to get, you know, a minute of playing time. And if I can get a shot up, you know, I'll be thrilled. I don't care what happens beyond that. That's all I'm caring about. So for me watching you guys, you know, but specifically you, 
um, it was a really amazing thing to, to just kind of, kind of going back to that whole soccer thing where I'm really like not wishing I was you guys. I was more just happy and proud of y'all because it wasn't even a world I could relate to. I'm like, Oh, I wish I was a good football player. I, I really had no, I had such zero exposure to it. It mm-hmm. was really just a, yeah, I'm going to go to the football game. I'm going to root for it. And I'll sure I'll play senior year just for the fun of it and be a part of the, the culture of it. Even though I know we were kind of like outsiders like me and Moses. And I think like Ernie, a couple of the guys that hadn't really played, we it was like two different cultures and i don't mean that y'all were being mean about it it's just there's nothing y'all could do about it y'all knew who the real players were and you were who the guys were just in uniform and i was definitely a guy just in uniform but i think for that part of it and that's why i always encourage people to play organized sports at least once in the life if they can because for me i didn't get the same thing out of football you got out of it for me that came from basketball but for you that's that's where it where it came from but i still got to tangibly touch the the magic of being in the locker room and being there with you guys and experiencing the losses and experiencing the hardships and the injuries and it's an amazing thing that I still see that in you now when like when we organize like when you and I've gone and we try to get the guys to go play out in McAllister Park and throw the football around just for mm. flag or touch football or whatever and it's very important to take the playfulness of what we're doing seriously. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. not like we're not just goofing off. It's like, well, we're going to organize it and we want to make sure we're getting at least three on three or four on four. Yeah. And certain guys are going to play certain positions and we're going to run these plays <laughs> and we're going to work on this or whatever. And yeah. you kind of carry that, that passion in a lot of other things. Wouldn't you say like that, that part of athletics, even if it has nothing to do with us being in shape, because none of us are now, but mm-hmm. you carry that, that, mentality of the um the dedication the passion the you know the whole like you know i hate losing more than i love winning mentality into other things where now you know what it feels like to go dive in fully when you watch a movie and i think a lot of my sports background and my sports passion carries over when i watch the spurs player when i'm watching a movie or i i see a trailer that's so freaking good it's overwhelming almost tear up because it's just giving me chills you know and i think wouldn't you say that that maybe ha- I, I'm just speculating no, that maybe there's a little bit of a genesis for like us coming yep. from that small school because if we'd gone to public school I don't think most of us would have got a chance to play yeah organized absolutely sports. that's 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 absolutely true I mean like that and that's what I mean my biggest thing about getting the chance to play uh, football for example is that I never take away like I you know I me and Nick will talk about that. Like we can remember moments, like specific moments. Like remember when this particular play and this guy did this and that. And it's weird because all these years later, and it wasn't like, you know, we always like preface it, preface it when I talk to people. And people are like, oh, you played football? Or well, because we're football? not glory dayers. We're right. not like, yeah, oh, yeah. remember when we were amazing yeah. and we were all stars? Yeah. We were always the underdog. We always got our ass yeah. kicked in pretty yeah. much every sport. It wasn't about how amazing we were. It was about the the moments of how much hard work went into yeah. just getting to a point where we could get our ass kicked humbly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's true. I mean, I remember like, and that, and that is the way it was. I mean, cause we weren't any under any illusions, like of, you know, where we were or, or our talent level or how far we could ever go with it. You know, of course not. And, you know, I mean, the thing that I do always take pride in about this is when we played, like, you know, I mean, you know that we didn't play for, there was no cheerleaders. There was no, like, it wasn't, you weren't more popular because you were a jock because there wasn't enough people to be a jock to be right. a, to be popular to be a bully in that way you know what I mean that was that wasn't part of the culture of it the way it might have been in the public school where 
it is a big deal and you have a name and maybe you're being recruited or whatever. You know, that wasn't part of the thing. I mean, we played in front of our moms and our grandparents and our families and our friends' families. Right. And I think having that is the kind of DNA of, of, of who we were, you know, gave us a different kind of set of different level of pride, I guess, because that's what it was. It was like, you know, you weren't playing to be cool. You weren't playing for any kind of accolade because that wasn't going to come. You weren't playing to get a girl because that wasn't going to happen. You were playing because your grandpa was watching you or your mom or your, your nephew, right. you know? Like, I mean, that I always think back then. I was like, my nephew, when he was a little kid, he used to come to our games and he would always be running around stuff. And he still kind of, I think he still kind of remembers that, you know? Like, and that's the stuff that mattered to me, you know? And you're right. Like, I think that that feeling, always trying to recreate that feeling, which is that sense of connection to other people. And there is something, I mean, I, I, you know, it's things that normal people don't know, like people that, you know, that will never be in war or never be in the army, you know, things we'll never understand, a connection that we'll never understand that you hear about in movies or you hear about from people that have been in those situations. But, you know, the closest thing you feel is when you've been in emotional situations with people, whether they be life or death or whether they be, you know, just heightened moments of emotion where, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right. whether, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, being in your, someone's wedding or seeing someone's child for the first time or, you know, whatever those feelings are that you share with other yeah. people, that's what it always was about. I mean, for me, like, that's the biggest thing was how is feeling that connection of knowing that, like, you know, tomorrow we're just kids again. You know, at, tonight after the game, I got to go do homework and I'm still failing religion class or I still can't get a girlfriend or whatever it is. But like, you know, it, it's not a cliche, you know, whether you, you know, people make fun of like movies like Varsity Blues or, or not, you know, but it's not a cliche because, you know, for that 60 minutes or for whatever sport you play, however long that is, like that is your world and that is your reality. And that's when it's simple because it's like, you know, you have to do this one thing. And that's it. That's all that matters. Right. You know, and I look back at that. And I remember that um, feeling. I even tell people that now, you know, because I never like I usually don't mention to people like, oh, yeah, I played football in high school because then they think it means something else. And they right. sort of ask, you know, but I, if people ask me about it, I'll be like, yeah, man, like what I'm proud of is not like winning or this or that. So what I'm proud of is like, dude, I weighed like 140 pounds and I could tackle a guy. 220 pounds. <laughs> and like I got ran over by a guy that was 220 pounds and I got back up. And I did it again. And maybe he kicked my ass and maybe he beat me, but I didn't give up. I didn't walk off the field because that's not what I learned. Right. I Like you said, like to, to be humble about winning or to be humble about losing, I think that's what we learned. And that's, you know, sometimes I think about that now, you know, because, I mean, you guys know I, I play Gaelic football now. And it's so much of that is what I love about that is being able to reconnect to that feeling. Again, it's the same thing. There's no illusions. It's not like I'm like – I'm going to suddenly turn 21 again or 18 again, or there's going to be some glory on their side of the road or whatever. It's just trying to find that feeling again of connection on that level, you know, playing sports or being active or whatever. And it's not about, you know, I hate losing. I hate that fucking feeling of losing and and knowing that maybe you could have done a little bit more or whatever, you know, but the thing is like, I look back and I go, I was a, I was a poor sport, I guess. I look back now. I still think about that now, even when we lose now and I get like, sometimes I'll get kind of choked up and I'm like, oh, I'm 34. Like I need to suck it up. Like, why am I getting choked up about a game that like 10 people watched? And I look back to when we were kids, you know, like playing football and like, I remember like, you know, playing games and, and crying afterwards, you know, we'd be crying, like, right. you know, me and Nick and Mike and we'd be crying. I remember thinking like, Looking back as an adult now, I'm like, if I saw myself playing now and I was, I saw a kid crying, I think like, is he a, is he a poor sport? 
like did that kid you know is he like a baby is he like being a, like a sissy about it like oh like i lost i'm crying and i always think about that because you know uh stereotypically what a good sport and a bad sport is like i'm like yeah i was a bad sport i was like walking off crying i wasn't mad but i remember crying because i was devastated every time we would lose i was absolutely fucking devastated and it had nothing to do with i look stupid or i lost and i'm mad and it's someone else's fault it was the feeling that i let someone down and that feeling <laughs> inspires so much of everything i do of always going i don't want that feeling in my life I don't want to feel like I'm letting someone down or I'm letting people that care about me down or my friends down or my parents down. How can I get that past that? How can I be good enough or work towards something good enough where I don't have to feel that feeling? You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I mean, so you're right. I mean, absolutely. That's a part of everything I do and everything that inspires me is how do you, how do you stay in balance with that is, you know, because there has to be you know, sadness, there has to be loss, but you can balance it out with triumph or finding the good and shit, you know? So I'm curious for you, like, would you feel, would you say, and, and it's kind of a unfair question because it already lends itself to being one answer since ages, you know, 14 to 18 are typically more profound than ages, you know, six through, through 13. But mm-hmm. would you see at least for, for you, cause I'm curious, I, I didn't meet you till high school. Um, but, uh, the, the formative years for you were almost like middle school and, and elementary school is sort of a, a warm up to basically just kind of flailing around until you would really kind of find out who you'd become. Cause you mentioned earlier about having not listened to music and stuff like that till mm-hmm. later on. And I've looked at like, I, I reflect back on our high school experience mm-hmm. together separately and being in the same school and all that. And it's almost like the the humble factor was sort of a byproduct, not necessarily the intent of the institution, but it sort of seemed like because we were the underdogs in everything, academics, Mm. athletics, (laughs) extracurricular, because we didn't have the same level of external support and funding and whatever, you know, because our institution wasn't built to support those things. Our institution was built to support ministry services and stuff like that as a private school. So, (laughs) so, you know, um, it's almost like there's this dichotomous pro and con to us coming out of that system, not being bred to be masters in the universe. But at the same time, I sometimes look back and I'm like, I wonder if it's also, you know, I'm extremely humble and extremely insecure and pretty much terrified of doing anything (laughs) where I have to put myself out in the world. Yeah. 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 But at the same, at the same time, you know, I'm not arrogant in any way about anything. and I'm not overconfident in anything, but at the same time, kind of wish maybe there'd been a little bit more, not push, because everyone, all our coaches wanted us to win, all our teachers wanted us to do well, and yet somehow we're missing that extra little wheel or cog that, you know, and I'm not trying to blame the institution for my laziness or my <laughs> ineptitude or <laughs> procrastination, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I wonder sometimes, like, would I have gotten some more things done already? Would I have put together, you know, a couple of projects in motion that should have been done a long time ago. And I wonder if you think about stuff like that too, and look back at, you know, the, the high school years, because for, for you and me, you know, the, the high school timeline isn't about like reliving the glory days. It's literally about celebrating the formation of who we basically are now, as far as just being for the most part, you know, flawed, but for all intents and purposes, pretty good guys, pretty, you know, agreeable. Like you said, I'm, I'm also, conflict avoider i try to really keep myself 
on an even keel. I try not to have too many. I, I, I don't like to have high highs or low lows, you know. And so you know, that's why I say, and I, I try to bounce a lot of how I'm going to react to stuff off of the way I see you guys as well. Because um, I think it's it's neat to have that inner circle that kind of keeps you in check. It reminds you, you remind yourself you don't have to react a certain way because you already know well how would nick feel how would rick react how yeah. would, you know and so you know what i'm saying I, yeah I, it's kind of yeah this is kind of turning into really really focused yeah. internalized yeah stuff, no but you're, but, you're you right know. about like i think the it is weird at that double-edged sword and you know like and that's why i think you know you know talking about mario for example like how and i always tell you this and it's always a compliment we always tell you this about how like Sometimes we forget that you didn't go to high school with us. Right. We'll, oh, t- we'll yeah. tell you. We'll be telling a story as if and not I was le- there. <laughs> and not leaving you out, but assuming yeah. you were there. And then we're like, oh, and you're like, what? And we're like, oh yeah, you weren't there, but because you fit into that, like somehow, you know what I mean? Like you fit yeah. into that in terms of your personality and your character, and that's probably why we all became friends. You know, like yeah. we, we were able to kind of transcend the adult disconnect that people have sometimes and actually become friends because we were able to find that common ground. You know, through you know, of course, our interests, but also like our personality types. Mm-hmm. But you're right, like that. That. Well, that's weird. why Mario's able to get stuff done, and we aren't. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he went to public school, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, and that, and that, and it's true because that's kind of like, like you said, like when we talk about some of the things you do, and like we always kid you. And this is this is the you know the kind of point I'm coming back to is that like we always kid you because you say I did this and I do this. I mentioned this, and it's like it's as much as it, it's fun just to be shitty with each other because we do that. There's like a tiniest twinge of like, I wish I would have done that. I wish I had the balls to like take karate or do whatever, you know, because like of, I think us sometimes like that, that humbleness and, you know, I know Nick's expressed that too. We're like, sometimes it, you're right. It does hold you back. Cause I remember being in high school where we went to school, like it's, I think the dynamic was different than like public school where your mm-hmm. status is important and your who you are in the social structure and the yeah. paradigm is important. You know, you're a jock or you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're a punk or whatever, whatever it is, you know, whereas us, there wasn't a lot of room to have that identity. I mean, our identity was kind of like this homogenous, like amoeba, you know, because yeah. we were so close in proximity to each other that it was hard to like, you couldn't, it was hard to invent yourself. It was hard to kind of form because we were all listening to the same type of music and we were all like, in, yeah. you know, had the same stupid structure shirts and the all same paradox, you know, like, and it wasn't because we were followers. It's just because that's how small our world was, right. you know, like, you know what I mean? And, and, and like I said, like the, the humble thing, the humility thing, and it's something I appreciate. And I hope, you know, someday when I, if I have a kid, I, I can import that on them somehow, you know, is that like, there was never room to be arrogant. Like yeah. the, the people that it was, it almost sounds counterintuitive. It's like, if you stood out, not in a, cause you were an outcast, but if you stood out as somebody who was too confident, you usually got cut down for it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like you could, you know, win the basketball game or win the football game. And the next day, like people are like, Oh, well, fuck you. You still have, you know, you still shit your pants when you were a freshman, you know, whatever it is, you know, like there was always that thing and yeah. we still do it to each other, but it's part of that ebb and flow of, of maintaining that, that, um, that balance, like you said, yeah. you know, and, and I think for the most part, most people we knew kind of had that same sensibility where you weren't, and it's a good thing. I think, you know, you weren't ever allowed to kind of like get you up high without being cut down a little bit yeah. because you had to realize, you know, yeah, you know, like, you know, you can't be a dick, you know? And it, it is funny because it is, again, counterintuitive with the way the world actually works. 
product right works and yeah. that's something i think we did kind of miss out on and because you know we were we were our formative years our father figures were priests priests whose whose mission was to, was to help the poor and the homeless and to provide charity so their whole thing was about being, being humble yeah. being selfless being learning humility and they were trying to teach us that so it's hard i think to teach someone that it's a lot mm-hmm. to ask of someone to teach a kid to be humble and to be sincere and to be uh empathetic to other people's pain but at the same time you're a fucking winner and go out and take the world yeah. on and be a <laughs> you know corporate raider you know like that's you know yeah you you know, and, and you saw that you saw that for us like um in terms of just being counseled in general about what to do after high school it was really sort of a just what if you were lucky enough to have parents or siblings that were grandfathered into you know a collegiate system then you had something to follow through but like for me i was the first one in the family tree to even think about it so it really was just whatever schools i could look up on my own there was really no true guidance there were Mm -hmm. pamphlets and stuff but you really didn't know is it okay to apply to MIT? Can I even consider, you know, am I even worth that? I mean, I know I go to this private school, but I mean, that's for like super awesome people. I'm only me, you know, so maybe I belong at, you know, the local community college and that's my max, you know, maybe I should only go to in-state university and that's my ceiling. I mean, that was, I've never forgotten that mentality and that's something I would also want to impart, you know, to, to any children of mine is, um, not looking at those at those limits and so for you rick you know um talking about a lot of this as far as you go you know um private school for high school and then private school for seventh and eighth grade mm-hmm. but then no just eighth grade just eighth only yeah. and then public school seven on down mm-hmm. and then um you and then got you your born. you got your then you were born before that I you got born. your um <laughs> That's really, that's mm. really, that's big, Mario. I like that. <laughs> that's profound. And then so my you, you soul Benjamin, came from you, the guff. You Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then you got your degree in... Uh, at a, at a in communication, communication at a UTSA. So has that... Um, has that had any ex- profound Except experience on you? Out. No, no, none of our degree. How did that work out? <laughs> hey, you have hey, a degree. Hey, I, are, I, you, I'm... are you communicating with us right now and with yeah. your audience? I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I would call you, and you're still bacheloring it up. So <laughs> communicating. You're a bachelor, so the bachelor. Yeah, you're, you're doing it. Um, <laughs> you're living the dream. Man. Oh yeah, I tell you. See, you, at, least, you, at least you have a degree. Like I, yeah. I have partial degree like i am classes like literally less than 10 classes away from two separate bachelors you know what i can appreciate though about college like and i I wonder again like i wonder how someday i'll be able to make sure my invisible kid has a a direction for that is that like i look back and there's people you know there's people that go to college because they have a plan or they they kind of know what their plan is like i want to be an engineer i want to be a doctor i want to be a lawyer i want to be a non-profit you know, person or whatever it is mm-hmm. and, you know, social worker and you might figure that out. You might get there or you might kind of branch off and become something else. And there's people that don't go to college and they go on to have a career and, you know, learn through experience and all that. And all of these things I think, you know, are great. I mean, those are all paths that you can take as long as no matter what you do, right? Like I'm here, I'm getting on the soapbox, but like, you know, you put your ass on the line, you, you try hard, you, you try to do everything the right way. And, 
it's that's the right path you know right mm-hmm. like you'll get where you need to get to you know um and i think back about like college you know because i think there's people like me like i went to college and like and i didn't have a path i didn't know like where i'm going I, by, by the time i started figuring it out it was almost like a it's not that it's too late, but it was almost too late for me in terms yeah. of like, I was at my rope. I'm like, I don't want any more debt. I don't want to spend any more time in school. I just want to be able to, you know, not deal with 18 page papers anymore, oh, you know, God, yeah. but I look back at college and I, I can, what I appreciate it now about it now is that it gave me opportunity to be exposed to things I wouldn't have been exposed to under mm-hmm. a different circumstance. You know, um, you know, I had, you know, probably three or four teachers in college. It's interesting because, like, some of them I don't remember. I don't remember any of my college professors, and I don't remember. I really, I don't know anybody I ever met in college. You know, in in actually in college. You know, I didn't really make any friends while I was there. Um, but I, there was probably two or three teachers. You know, all three of them were women professors that will always like. You know, as much as our English teacher in high school, Miss Cooley, who was someone I will always revere, who was someone who will always look up to and appreciate for all like that she did for me and she inspired me to do. Mm-hmm. And and the same way with these professors that I, I was able to come in contact with. And for me, like that experience with them being able to be like mentored by them and having to like do the work I did for them, like that made that entire experience worth it. That whole five yeah. and a half years, you know, worth it because I think I learned, you know, it may be probably a collective amount of maybe like a semester and a half you know, mm-hmm. of that five years, what I learned from them, I think, has shaped me in in ways that have allowed me to be whatever I am, and then whatever hopefully I I get Become, to be. Yeah. You know, and, and I always owe it to that, and that's why I can always look at college and go, man, like, you know, and that's what I would tell a kid or my kid if they were like, I don't want to go to college. Say, you know, you don't have to like do that thing, and you know, think that there's a path, but know that there's certain things you can do that will give you opportunities to like experience something or meet people that will change the course of your life. Yeah. You know, and yeah, sometimes it's for worse, sometimes it's for better, but to have that opportunity, you know, the same way that working, you know, just having a job, even Mm -hmm. if it's at McDonald's or it's at a freaking, you know, Greenpeace, it doesn't matter. Like having those experiences will shape you and and mold you and you'll learn, you know, about yourself, you know? So, Yeah. So, um, what else? What are some other uh, factoids, tidbits? Uh, some Rick encompassing. So, something I'll throw out real quick, and I, I guess we can go out on this. Um, yeah, there's a, a probably this outside of like music or movies, probably the single most. And there's a story I, I know I've told you. I probably told you too before, but I'll tell everybody out there. Um, <laughs> All eight of our listeners. Everybody in the ether that's still awake. Um, <laughs> Probably the most ins- inspiring thing I can think of in terms of you know a, a, a thing, a super, like a, a tangible thing, was a a book I read when I was a kid. When I was like in seventh grade, I found this book. Same thing. I would probably pick books the same way I pick mm. my my tapes. I'd be like, this is an interesting cover, or the, you know, the, that copywriter did a great job in writing that little <laughs> four line blurb. blurb on the back of this book. And when yeah. I was in seventh grade, I picked up a bunch of books by. Uh, like Robert McCammon, he did a, he was like a kind of a horror writer or whatever. And he, there was a couple of books of his that I really loved. And somehow I think in that process of kind of looking through those shelves and stuff, I found this book and it had the most generic name ever still is the most generic name. It was a book called vampires. And the only like kind of 
flourish it had was the S was like a dollar sign, right? It's oh. Later made into a terrible, 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 terrible movie. So I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> but um, I I must have read that book like back to back, you know, cover to cover over and over again as a kid. We had that study here, you know, study hall mm. or whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember in seventh grade reading it in the after lunch in my little study hall and I'd sit there and read this book. And, you know, it the, the simple thing is it's a book about these, like, vampire hunters that, you know, they get paid. They're like, kind of like mercenaries. They get paid to, to hunt vampires, and they're employed by the Vatican. That's the, the simplest <laughs> log line of it or whatever. But um, but there was something about it. I mean, it was different things. Like, it was a lot of it was based in Texas. Uh, the guy that wrote it was from Texas. was from Cleburne, Texas. <laughs> um, uh, John Steakley is the guy's name author and it just always stuck with me and i remember even then like and i remember just having this conversation with mike and telling him like as a seventh grader i was like you know whatever 11 years old and i remember not having one ounce of vocabulary for film or for even creativity on that level and i remember going i want to make this a movie someday and i had no having no idea what that meant and of course i was like i'm gonna make this a movie and Michael Bean's going to be the star of <laughs> <laughs> You know? Today's Michael Bean. Tomorrow it could be Colin Farrell that you're celebrating. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, but that's awesome. That's awesome. But, uh, I remember this. And uh, I remember that feeling of, of being completely, like, immersed in it. And it was something that was mine. It wasn't like, you know, like, I didn't... Again, like, it wasn't some, you know... Famous book. Famous and... book. It was some book that I just found an accident that, like, I would show to people and they'd be like, oh, what's that? You know, whatever. And I, to this day, I always tell people, like... And I, you know, I don't think anyone's really taken me up on it. Like, just read it. And it's and it might be that book where you're like, it's just this pulpy, like, kind of crappy thing you might think, or I don't get what you're seeing it. But it was just that thing that at that moment in time touched me. And I still read it now. Like, I still, to this day, I, every maybe once a year, I'll read it again. And I was even lucky enough one day by accident at half price, I found the first printing of it. It was never printed in hard in hardback, but it was printed like in the, the large, kind of large format. Oh, yeah. And I found the first print of it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was such a, you know... But it was just a, a great book. And it was, again, it was the same type of thing. It had these kind of tragic men, you know, mm-hmm. that knew the tragedy of, of like, the finiteness of their own lives. I don't yeah. want to say the tragedy, but the finiteness of their own lives. Again, it was like this: these guys are vampire hunters, but they're not these badasses. They're not these, like, rock star superhero guys. They're these guys that go, this is the only thing I can do. I was born to do this. I'll die doing this. Yeah. But while I'm doing it, I'm going to do it the best I can do it until they get me. You know, and there was something about and 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 in the in the story itself that there's two characters. One of them is um Jack Crow, who's the older kind of veteran guy and this younger guy, uh William uh William Felix. And uh he oh. he's uh yeah, that's where it comes from. And uh and he, it, that whole, almost the whole book is about that thing, about him trying to teach him this, him trying to teach him this thing that, yeah, like, there's things you want to do with your life, there's things that you see for yourself, and that's fine, but there's also things that you were born to do, there's things that, like, are you built into you, and no matter how hard you try to pull away, no matter how hard you'll try to do something else, you'll keep coming back to this, because this is what this is what God's plan was, or this is what nature or whatever you want to call it. And this guy's resistant. The whole book, it's him resisting it. And it's about that 
struggle between these two men and this man you know it's 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 interesting against the backdrop of all this other kind of horrors you know action stuff but it's about that struggle and and of course it's something as as a male like the modern male like i can identify with that of trying to figure out what do i want to do as opposed to what am i supposed to do right and how do i get there you know so anyways so it's that's definitely something that's as much inspiration or as part of me as anything else we've talked about and I'll always regret it because it was like I remember um, in college finally like I finally got email and I found out what the guy's email is the the oh. author and I sent him this long fucking email super long fucking email and again it was like not having any idea how movies worked I was like oh can I make a movie out of your book you know being stupid not knowing what that it doesn't work that way and in the fucking email came back it bounced back because email and box was too full or something oh, yeah. or he didn't know how to use it or whatever mailer damon yeah exactly and i never sent it again i never like wrote a letter i never sent try to send another email or whatever and i just left it alone and i always thought like someday i'll get to meet this guy like he probably lived in texas so i'll, I'll get to meet him and i'll get to tell him you know yeah what it meant or whatever so i just happened to be looking him up you know maybe like a couple years ago like looking up his name because he's like he wrote like two books he wrote this book called armor which is kind of this homage to like uh starship troopers kind of and he wrote vampires and that was it yeah. like that's he's kind of like psh, like it was kind of badass actually he just kind of wrote these two badass books <laughs> and then disappeared you know yeah uh and uh so i looked him up seeing if anything was going on or there had been rumors he would make a he was gonna make a sequel to the book or whatever and found out he died Oh, wow. the guy passed away and I was like and it was he's such he's like not this huge famous person so it was just like obituary from the right. newspaper and I was like oh my god you know what I mean yeah. like and I always think about that and I always think about like you know to try to make sense of that and what that means and how you know how I can find a direction from all of that because it's not mm-hmm. for nothing you know what I mean like there's a yeah. direction in that and like how do I like someday get a chance to like repay this dude for you know Whatever it is, he, whatever it is, he did for me. Make some movie, so, make it badass. Yeah. So you never know. Good chance. Well, uh, on cl- in closing, I want to mention that uh, as you were saying, the character's name Felix. Yeah. Um, since what episode five probably, we've had your music introing and outroing. Yes, Team Felix. Team Felix. Yes, that that is where it's from. Uh, it's the uh, it's the name of the. Um, the epilogue to the book is Team Felix. The the team that they the, the the team of vampire hunters they're called Team Crow. That's Jack Crow's team. Which is where and, yeah. And at the end it becomes Team Felix because of the transition. So that's where it comes from. Very cool. Mm. Very mm. cool. Well, there's some some Easter eggs and tidbits there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, thanks, man. I'm I'm. Let me borrow that book too. I'm curious. Yeah. It's good stuff easy read it's fun he wants it, the, he wants the first print the first yeah. <laughs> <Even> the first <laughs> <laughs> but wait, it's funny i like going back a little a little easter egg before all day we were kind of texting back and forth about what we were going to do uh for the episodes and uh, that we recorded tonight and i was like oh let's do it do a guest technically i was a guest last week you're a guest this week yeah i talked you true. guys into having guests without sure. having to have a guest right and mike's the next guest so yes. we'll have special guests each week yeah. or alter egos yeah absolutely yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, ho- hopefully, you guys know Rick a little bit better and uh, are getting to know us a little bit better. And if you want to give us a shout out or anything, you can uh, reach our Google voicemail at two ten eight zero two eleven ninety seven. 
Uh, find us at it's a guy thing podcast.com on Twitter. At it's a guy thing pod and Facebook. Of course, I think we're on vine and Instagram and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, thanks guys. We appreciate it. Thanks. thanks.